Thank you guys for tuning into the Dope Vision Experience Podcast. It's your boy Frank Nitty. I'm back for another episode. I want to say thank you for clicking that button and giving me the opportunity to share with you my thoughts and my opinions on the things that's going on in our culture and in our world. You know, this has been some crazy times going on. You know, we've been in this lockdown now for almost a year. And there are people out there that are in need, they're struggling. And this is just a, a tough time for everybody, man. You know, some of the states are doing kind of doing what they want to. Other states are a little bit more restricted here in California. They've lifted the, you know, the stay-at-home ban so you can't kind of now get out and move around a little little bit but they still got everybody fearful to get out and really party you know some cities you can actually party such as like Atlanta and you got Houston and you got you know other cities in Florida but you know here in the Bay Area you can't do anything there's no bars no open there's no clubs open so people are just kind of like stuck and still in their houses and people are getting tired of this and then you got people at the Capitol Hill who are talking about you know people don't need stimulus checks they need to be having lowered they need to be more directed blah 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 but man you got to get some change in here because Oakland and other places like that you know they're having very you know, high issues when it comes to people trying to get evicted and it's supposed to be, you know, document signed to kind of make people not be, get the opportunity to get evicted. But, you know, this is just always, you know, somebody want to be able to make money. These landlords going to the stream to trying to collect money, you know, just open this thing up, man. Let people get back out there and let them feed themselves, let them feed their families so they can make their rents and, you know, pay their mortgages and, and all those things in between, man, because it's to the point now, like, you know, of course you got the vaccine that's going on and people are actually taking it. You know, I've been, you know, witnessing some people that's in in, in my you know bubble in my vicinity that's you know been taking it and they say they've been okay with the first shot the second shot more or less they little get a little bit more you know queasy for a day or two then they kind of bounce back you know some a little bit longer that have you know allergy problems but for the most part you know the shot has been doing okay and i'm pretty sure there are some extreme cases out there and that's what anything especially with something as new as a, a vaccine that nobody's really known any that doesn't have a lot of testing that we know about on real life situations you know of course they had it in their bubble and they tested their for you know CDC purposes but it doesn't really matter until you get it out to the masses and see how the masses react to it and so you know like I said some people have been getting sick on the second dose of the Moderna shot but for the most part you know everybody's been kind of okay I haven't seen any extreme cases as of yet, but I'm pretty sure they're out there and they just haven't probably come across my, my eyesight or in my vicinity or whatever the case may be. But, you know, it's time to open this thing back up, man. We, we got to get back to it. You know, you've been having us locked down. We've been, you know, caged in the house. We've been in our bubbles. We've been in our own little worlds. And we've been doing everything, you know, to possibly stay, you know, healthy as, as possible. You're doing your workouts at home. You're taking your CMOS. You're drinking your water. You're taking your vitamins. And you're just doing whatever you can to possibly, you know, just stay healthy you know over the weekend i actually got an opportunity you know I, t I talk about me getting out and exercising you know riding my bike i got out with my homie we went out here some trails and it was actually just a, a fun activity to be able to be out the house for maybe an hour hour and a half to just go out and ride your bikes and hit the trails and, and enjoy yourself a little bit man and, and, and physically push your body and just being able to just enjoy the outside the nature and uh, the things that we used to do before the pandemic hit and but now you know we just kind of like over it you know everybody's over it you know the kids are over it the parents are over it you know people who have been on the front lines i can only imagine the pain and the anguish that they've been going through with the life the losses of the lives that they've been seeing over the past you know several months and they constantly have to go in and deal with that they're having to wear these masks eight ten hours twelve hours a day you know with no break you're going day in day out at the hospital so i want to give a salute to you know the frontline workers of course it is it's black history month so i want to make sure i don't forget that you know i want to salute black history month even though we got the shortest month of the year of course you know we've always went through this and you know we want to just make sure we salute black history month i want to give one of the people so each podcast i want to salute one black 
person who've actually improved our lives that we probably don't know that they probably invented something or created something that we are using daily that we didn't know that a black person invented for the first person i want to talk about is dr gladys may west who invented the gps now we use this thing every single day you know whether you're in the uber whether you're in your car it doesn't matter if you're outside and you're going somewhere and you're in a city and you don't know where you're going we don't even ask anybody for directions anymore we just say drop the drop the location send the address and that is made possible by a black lady dr gladys may west so salute to her you know without her we'll be still trying to use google maps and getting papers printed out or trying to follow directions from from your family members or somebody over the phone say hey you know go off go to this exit jump off and turn left and then turn right you know all that craziness that we had to we had to go through in the past you know people don't even realize what we were going through before gps were possible there are some people in the world who don't who don't even know about how we used to have to use google maps to print it out and try to follow google maps and get lost when a, a street changed or a street is blocked off or anything like that like anything causing someone to not be able to go in the direction that the google maps you know initially sent you on you were lost and this is what we were doing using maps you had to go to the had to go to the gas station grab a map and pull out the map to try to get to the area that you had to go so you know salute to her for improving our lives for the better because without google maps we're all would be lost when it comes to gps and just a couple of things I want to talk about in this podcast. You know, last week we had a lot go on, especially with the the, Rob the Robin Hood situation where we had a gang stop to kind of run up and make a bag and then get cut off. You know, we have those different topics and we got a, a couple of other topics that I'm going to talk about. So, like I say always, grab your lighters, pull up if you're at the gym, do extra set for me. You're in the car, turn me up. Let's get it. Thanks for sticking around to the Dove Vision Experience Podcast. It's your boy Frank Nitty. I'm back, you dig? So I want to just kick this off talking about what we saw this past week. You know, normally, you know, I like to talk about sports. I'm watching sports as much as possible. Of course, we got the Super Bowl coming up. But as the Super Bowls are being talked about, we still have basketball games that are being played. And what we just saw this last week, we saw a lot of privilege. We saw a lot of white privilege that took place. You know, we saw the Lakers. You know, I'm a big Lakers fan, so I'm watching the game. And then all of a sudden, we see LeBron kind of come down. And then all of a sudden, you, you just see a commotion that's happening on the sideline. And you're wondering what's going on and you see this white woman she's standing up and she's pointing and she's angrily talking and, and we we're talking about white privilege like if this was anybody else like if there was a black person talking crazy to somebody you know they would have immediately been thrown out who knows what would have happened the security guards the the sideline assi assistant the, the referee it, it just went down but you know somebody with this white privilege this young white this young white girl she with her rich husband so she feel like feel emboldened she feels like she has the authority to talk to somebody just because she has some sideline tickets man like they believe these athletes not going to talk crazy back to them like you say some sideways to these athletes these athletes have the opportunity to say something back to you it's just because they're playing on a basketball court for your entertainment doesn't mean you can just talk to them any kind of way so it seems like there was a commotion or some or some words being said back and forth to lebron and you know the guy that was sitting down but it was more or less he must have known the guy or didn't know the guy but we don't really know what was being said but check out how this lady reacted to lebron this has been a hawks fan forever whatever he has this issue with lebron i don't have an issue le with lebron i don't give a lebron anyway all of a sudden lebron says something to my husband i stand up and go don't talk to my husband and he looks at me and he goes sit the down bitch and i go don't yeah. call me a bitch you sit the down get the out of here and i go don't talk to my husband like that and all of a sudden now i'm getting kicked out excuse me i have courtside seats that i pay for can you hear the white privilege in her voice 
Did you guys not hear the white privilege in her voice? I got the coursine seats. I paid coursine tickets. Oh, I can say what I want. He talked mean to my husband. Man, are you serious? Are you really, are you fucking serious? You're not gonna just talk to no multi-millionaire any kind of way just because you're on the court side. You just try to get your 15 minutes of fame off of somebody who is a superstar athlete, who is well-known throughout the world, and somebody who is actually doing something at the highest profession. Just because you're married to somebody wealthy doesn't mean you can just talk to anybody else any kind of way. You can't talk down to that man. That man is probably just as important to the world as you are. You are there to watch him perform and do a task to entertain you. He is making money doing his job just like if you were at your job every single day. You don't come, he doesn't come to your job and he doesn't yell and shout at you. And she's just fucking just doing all types of shit. She's pulling the mask down, she's yelling, she's spitting, and we're in the middle of the COVID. Now, what if she gets somebody sick because she's spraying and she's a super spreader and doesn't even know it? And now you have to shut down the whole Lakers or the, the Atlanta Hawks team just because she's out there doing who knows what, talking crazy to a man on the floor because her husband actually getting into it. He's already upset with LeBron, and so he's talking crazy to LeBron. Like, how can you just all of a sudden talk to somebody crazy just because you got courtside seats? That's, that just doesn't work like that. You know, you can say something, and of course the fans say something to players all the time, but you not you just can't get in an all-out uh, verbal war with the guy. It doesn't expect he's going to actually turn around and say nothing back to you. The entitlement of just being with a rich guy, that doesn't make you rich because you married into rich. He's actually worked, he's worked himself out of the mud with the basketball to become the, the top players in the NBA, the top player in the world, to make the amount of money that he's made with his talent and his, his skill. And you just basically married into rich. You married into the wealthy. You married into the money. And then you're going to all of a sudden, just because you got courtside seats, you're going to be able to shout at this man because your husband have a, doesn't like him. So he obviously had came to the game. You paid your money. To, so you mean to tell me you paid your money to go watch somebody that you don't like to all of a sudden just get him a, a verbal confrontation with the guy. And then you just stand up and shout at him because your husband doesn't like him. You know, she's just all of all of the entitlement and the caring that you're going to get because she just feels like she can do whatever she wants and say whatever she wants because she's paid for those tickets. Yes, you paid for those tickets, but who cares what when, when you start talking crazy to somebody on the court, they have the right to talk back to you. They can say what they want back to you. And I doubt if LeBron is cussing her out, calling her all kind of bitches with all these cameras watching him and all these people out on the court. There's no way she's he's he has enough intellect to know not to be calling her a bitch on camera when he's on national televised tv when people are probably watching him and watching seeing what he's going to say with the guy the way he's he moves and he acts he, he always covers his mouth when he's talking to somebody for him to just all of a sudden just turn around and start shouting at you and calling you bitches and all this type of craziness it's just nonsense i don't believe what she's talking about when it comes to that situation because the guy has too much intellect and too much to lose to just be fighting and arguing with a woman on the sideline she just wanted to get her 15 minutes of fame off of LeBron because she know if there was any other player, she wasn't going to get any, any any pushback on it. If it was somebody else, if it was one of the other players that came off the bench and she was shouting it, it wouldn't have been got to that level. But because it was LeBron, it got national televised coverage. And she knew what she was doing when she was shouting. She knew who she was shouting at. She knew, what was, she knew the cameras were on LeBron, and it's always on LeBron at all times. So when she started shouting at him, she knew there was her opportunity to turn up. And at the same moment, why does everybody pull out their phones when it's something going on? Immediately, they go to grab their phone. She's in mid-argument pulling out her phone so she can record it for her Instagram or her Snapchat. So she can record it so she can get her followers up. So she's like, I'm going to take full advantage of this moment. So she knew what she was doing in the moment. She's going to grab her phone while she's arguing with somebody. When I'm, when I'm fussing and fighting with somebody, I'm not looking to grab my phone to go record a situation. I'm, I'm pretty sure if it was a, a, a deadly situation going on, if it was something crazy going on or something other situation, I don't know exactly off the top of my head. But if it was something else going on where I need to pull out my phone to record it, I probably 
probably would but to just be arguing with somebody that's on the court no i'm not recording it not in that moment somebody else could be recording it but i'm not stopping in the middle of the argument to pull out my phone to record what i'm saying to somebody just so i can have proof that doesn't know that it, it just doesn't add up she wanted to she wanted to get the fame she wanted to get the notice and she got it she won she got her 15 minutes and then after she got put out the game she's all on her instagram talking about the situation she's all heated and then when she gets home she's talking about it again and i'm pretty sure she's gonna walk it back and and talk about this whole situation over the next couple of days just so she can kind of continue to get those follower counts up it's all a plot it's all a way for her to get her followers up she's not happy with just being with the old white guy just for his money but she want to have a shine too she want to have the popularity she want to be known but you don't get known for that you just gonna have to marry that money live with him and be happy go buy your gucci bag or your chanel bag and be happy with that because you're not going to get the the marriage to the money and then give get the glamorous lifestyle and be known for a hustler or grind in the street it doesn't work like that you married to the money that's what you're going to do and now she got her 15 minutes of fame so voila bravo bravo you got it you did what you, you did you did what you're supposed to do to get your 15 minutes of fame and it's going to go as fast as it came these fans don't get enough to talking to these players sideways. You know, I know Russell, Russell Westbrook, he's had issue with fans in Utah saying sideways comments to him and saying things and getting into verbal altercation. Um, they already saw how, you know, it happened in the Malice and the Palace went down. These fans get to talking crazy. They act like they behind these invisible walls and they can't be touched. And all of a sudden, the Malice and the Palace happened. And, you know, you know, somebody come into them stands and throw them hands to you and, it, and it's all over. And then you your life come at you fast. So you better you about to calm down and chill down down way at these games because these players are they come from these they come from the trap they come from the mud and they still got it in them they just they just making millions and just because they're making millions doesn't mean that they're a changed person because deep down they, they'll get at you so they best they best to calm down when they're talking to these players on these sideline because these players will you know take a break and they can they can get get upset and they can lose a, a moment of uh, clarity and, and get get down that mud with you and then next thing you know he all upside your head you know for talking sideways so these players about to calm down when they you know i mean so these people in the fans about to calm down when they're talking to these players sideways because it can go left real fast you know what i mean they just on it of course they're on there they're making they're getting that money by you know shooting the ball and you know you know step back and they shooting a the three and they crossing people over but at the same time they're still human too and you can't just talk to people sideways you know and think nobody's gonna say nothing back to you so you can't get mad at somebody for how they react on something you did for them like if you push them to the point when they want to you know step out of character and they come to the sideline they say something to you sideways as well or they get in your face don't be surprised because like i said man you can't you can't push somebody to the edge and then get mad when they go over the edge from the things that you've done to them so you know these these people about to calm down in these in, in these arenas and these stadiums and just talking sideways to people because these guys you know they're athletes they're they're in prime peak condition they're lifting weights and they're they, they can pop off at any moment but it's only in basketball and football and baseball that fans are really can just talk and say anything to players at any point in time. But when you play these other sports like tennis and golf, you know, you have to be quiet. When they hit the ball, you have to be quiet. No talking in my backswing. You know, these these old white sports that people um, have already put these rules in place where the fans can't talk to them, but they can follow them around, you know, a course, an 18-hole course all day long, but you can't say anything to them. But in the basketball and football and baseball, you can say whatever you want to a player at any given time, and a player has to shrug it off and just continue to move on like they, they didn't hear. They have to tune them out. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a part of the, uh, the, the, the camaraderie of the game 
game to being able to deal with the pressures of the outside world when you're playing the game and have to zone out and, and, and not listen to them but at the same time you're a human being if somebody's calling you in words or calling you calling out your name and talking about your mama and talking about your sister man you got to go sometimes you got to go set these people straight because you know they feel like they behind that invisible wall with that line and that rope that people can't step outside of that but they can and players will do they've shown that they have stepped out there like i said that malice in the palace went down because you know fans were talking sideways it kind of got out of hand run our test was laying down beer was thrown and next thing you know he up in the stands giving giving them hands to that guy and then you know mark and jackson you know Stephen Jackson up there helping him, so it went down. So these fans have to have to recognize and look back on history. Like these players, they can kind of get down that mud with you too. So you got to be calm and be collective when you're at this game. Yes, you better have fun, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be some drinks and some drinks probably involved, and you kind of get that liquor courage in you, and you start talking sideways. But you have to calm yourself and and remember where you are and who you're talking to when you talk to these athletes, because like I said, man, these athletes they can snap on you at any moment and go upside your head. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this segment up, man. I hope you guys stick around for my next segment. Go ahead and top off that drink. Find that lighter you dropped in your lap and come back and holler at your boy, you dig? Thanks for sticking around to the Dope Vision Experience Podcast, your boy Frank Nina. I hope you got that drink topped off and you found that lighter and you fired up and you're ready to get this next segment popping. So, man, I just want to talk about, you know, this uh, $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package that was just um, passed by, by Congress. And Biden and Kamala, they're in there. They're trying to do what they said they do. They're trying to, you know, give some relief to people. And they're trying to do what they can. They're trying to, you know, do the things that they ran on. They're trying to stand on the things that they talked about throughout their campaign. And this $1.9 trillion uh, COVID relief package is really supposed to uh, help the people. But can you believe the crazy part of this that, you know, there were, it was a 50-50 tie and Kamala had to use her her, her vote to basically break the tie for to get this passed because they were initially passed earlier in the week, but they had to send it back to the House because there was something that had to be amended and so they had to re-vote on it. And can you believe these Republicans really didn't want people to get this money? They want people to just continue to struggle and beat their head over the wall and be in the house and not be able to put food on the table and pay their rents and pay their mortgages just because they are doing well and they're able to make money. Like, what if we cut off their funds? What are they going to do? If they're if we can cut off their funds for the next six months, I guarantee you they'll be passing more of these bills to allow, you know, the money, open up the money pipe. You know, they're trying to, you know, set stimulus checks out for about fourteen hundred and, you know, set up the minimum wage, but about fifteen dollars an hour. But they don't want this to happen. They are, you know, you have 50, it was a 50-50 tie and Kamala had to break this, this tie with her vote. Republicans really don't give a fuck. They talk about, uh, they talk a good game. They're all about them and they're all about their pockets. But these Republicans just don't care. Republican senator wanted to send a smaller, more target relief checks and only extend unemployment benefits through June, not September. What are you talking about? If you're going to continue to put people on lockdown, you have to give them an extension on the unemployment. You have to be able to uh, give people a way to feed their families when they can't do it, you know, like they normally would. You can't, they can't go to work. They can't go out to, you know, most people have, you know, a couple of jobs that they're working and work at bars they're doing what they have to do to get by especially here in the bay area where prices are sky high i can imagine the prices are just as high when you go to you know like new york and places upstate like that like these prices for these rent and these mortgages are not not cheap and for you to not allow somebody to be able to pay their rent because you have the establishment and you have the entire city on lockdown entire country on lockdown except for a couple of places then how you expect people to feed them feed their families they're going to they're going to turn to you because you are stopping them from actually being able to go out and 
make money. It's not that they don't want to make money. They can't. They can't because the bars are shut down, restaurants are shut down, you know, movie theaters are shut down. All just anything that the, all these jobs that people would normally be working are shut down. You know, you have you have gym people who have uh, massive gyms that across the country they can't make their money, and people are in these the small business loans. It's like a joke because the black people can't get the, the small business loan, and so they almost have to you know give up their dream that they fought so hard to get for to be a black-owned business, and now they have to give it up because they can't make ends meet because you're not allowing people to come to the establishment and uh, and spend their money. People need this foot traffic. You know, people work hard to get their dreams off the ground. They work hard to get those dreams to the next level. And if you come along and you just all of a sudden you shut that down and are not able to make ends meet when it comes to, you know, getting the foot traffic or getting people in, in the doors and in those type of businesses, then what do you expect them to do? They're going to lean on the government. And these people out here do not want to give the money out like what are you doing open up the pipeline open up the gate open up the gate let let the money go let the money flow let these people make money let us let us be free like what's the deal now like you can't you know put the put the bills in place to stop people from making money if you're not going to allow people to get out and make money on their own so if you're going to write these laws and, and try to pass, get these laws passed to only give people a small amount, give them crumbs, you just want to set us back even further. You, we already, we already got 400 year head start, and all of a sudden you want to, you know, continue to get a get, get a head on us. Like when we start to make some traction and we start to make some money, here comes the bullshit. They want to, they want to send smaller targeted relief checks. What the hell does that mean? You already ain't giving the people no, 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 um, no stimulus checks. That's six hundred dollars. That came and went so fast. Like, what are you doing? Like, the $1,400 is going to be okay, but it's going to come and go just as fast. And that doesn't even, you know, factor in about the middle class people. Like, there's no, there's nothing for the middle class people. They want you to be making almost borderline to nothing in order to get the stimulus check. So I understand if somebody's, like, in middle class, like, you still need support as well, too. You know, you're working, trying to make ends meet just as, just as much. And for someone to say, oh, you, you shouldn't be counting, you shouldn't be in here. But, you know, what are you, what are you doing? You have to give people opportunity to make money. This is a free market. This is the place that everybody's come to, to, to chase their dreams. And if you're not letting people make money, then what's the point? Like, what's the point? What, you, you're printing money anyway. You print 1.9 trillion. Like you just don't magically come out of nowhere with that money. You have to print the money. So print the money, or you can open up the open up the banks, print more money, or let us get out and work. Let us earn a let us earn a living. Let us do what we do so we can provide for our families, man. Because you know this is ridiculous to what they're doing. Can you believe they really they really arguing over not giving people the money that they need to survive? You know, they're arguing over pennies and then they're going to go home to eat their steak dinners and, and they're going to eat their caviar and all this craziness. When you got people are at the borderline of almost not being able to make it, you know, people are getting evicted. People are not being able to, you know, travel. People are just having a hard time. You know, you can't go see your family members because of the virus. You haven't, you know, people may be sick that you can't go look in on. This is just, you know, it's an unprecedented time and they are not being compassionate enough to open up the pipelines and give people what they need. How can you just cut off the, the unemployment when people are totally relying on that? When you got families out here who are totally relying on unemployment and it's not like they don't want to work, you can, they can't work. So if you immediately just shut off unemployment, what do you expect people to do? 
Like they're gonna start robbing, they're gonna start breaking and stuff, and the crime rate's gonna go up because when you're hungry, you don't care about you don't care about um what's going on outside. You're gonna go take something. When your stomach is growling and the kids need need food and they need diapers, you're gonna go do what they have to do to provide for the family. And they're gonna go rob, steal, they're gonna do something. Because when you're when your stomach rumbling, you don't care how you get it, you going all the ration, all the ration has gone out your mind. That's the only reason that's the only reason I believe a lot more robbing and killing don't take place is because people have abilities to feed themselves and when you take the ability away from people to feed themselves it's going to be like the walking dead out here minus the zombies like people are going to attack they're going to you know they're going to they're going to do deceitful things they're going to do what it has to do to get their medicine to get the food to get the water they're going to do whatever it takes to take care of their families and they don't care about that you know the, the, uh, the repercussion that's come from that once your once your stomach is touching your back like so these government people these people in congress and senate they need to get off their high horses and do what's right for the people man and, and let people get this money that they need to provide for their families because this is ridiculous at this point i can't believe that you know it was a 50 50 tie she had to come in and break it with the vote you know what are these people like what needs to happen is these people need to start making it public i'm, I'm not into the politics so it may be public i'm not sure but i think they should make these people you know public when they make these votes like we need to see who are the people voting against these bills and you know and, and keeping people down and putting their foot on their neck like let it be known you know show their houses show show what they live show their lifestyle let's see what they're living like you know and let and things will change when it comes to voting and being compassionate to one another because in their bubble in their world everything is working just fine because they're able to go to work they're able to get their checks off the you know the, the, the government money that we're providing with our taxes and stuff like that like it's ridiculous like open up the pipeline let these people get their money so they can feed their families man that's how i feel about it there's also been some chatter about Biden thinking about doing some loan forgiveness when it comes to um, your student loans up to $50,000. And that'll be a big weight, you know, off the off a lot of people's back, especially me. You know, I have student loans, too. Like everybody has student loan. It's almost to the point where it is a, a thing that everybody carries, you know, because we come from that baby boom age where, you know, the parents have always talked to you about in order to make it, you need to go to school, you need to get an education so you can get a good job. And they raised that and they instilled in us in, in that in our DNA from birth. So you graduate from high school, you you pick the school of your choice, and then you end up attending that school. And you have to sign all these promissory notes, and you have to take all this financial aid because your family can't afford it because you come from a poor poor neighborhood or you come from a poor city like myself. I come from Mississippi, born and raised. The schools, you know, we have a a, a town less than ten thousand people, and so you can imagine that the, the 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 national income for our city or our town were probably less than thirty thousand dollars a year, probably twenty three thousand way back then. So you can imagine the amount of money that was promised that we think would that's promised to us if we go to school and we can get out the trap or we can get out the hood so you go to school you go do those four years you sign those promissory notes you get those financial aids and you get that, that refund check you know some was getting it, I wasn't getting it but you get some get the refund checks and you get that seventeen eighteen hundred dollars as a 18 year old kid or a 19 year old kid and you think you're doing it big but you're not knowing that that interest is already tacking, tacking on semester after semester, day after day. You just don't realize it. And then when you get out of school, you get held ahead with this $75,000 bill, you know, from a school that you went to that only gave you a piece of paper when you walk across the stage. You're so excited. You, you've like, I felt like I've accomplished something. Your family's excited. You know, everybody's excited around you. And after a while, that excitement died down because those bills start coming in. 
and they don't want you know 150 dollars. they want 600 dollars. they want 700 800 dollars. you know they want chunks of the money paid back but at the same time you're paying all this money back but it's not even going to the principal of the loan it's all just going to all the interest that you accrued over four years so you start behind the eight ball at the gate you working in a job, working at AT&T, or you working at Macy's, and you trying to get a job in the field that you went to school for, and nobody wants to hire you because you don't have experience. How am I supposed to get experience when I've been in school for the last four years chasing this degree so that I can work in a field that I chose, that I chose, that feel, feels like that, that, that works for me? So when you are not able to work in the field that you feel like you went to school for that that you're excited about, you have to take these other jobs. And then the next thing you know, you're stuck in retail for five to 10 years or you're doing something else that you have no interest in really, but you had to do it because you got to pay bills. You got to pay the student loans and you put them in forbearance and you put them in hardship, hardship forbearance and all these other type of things to defer their payments. And all that's doing is tacking on more and more interest. So you go from paying that loan being 75000 to 85000 to 90,000 to 100,000 and then you just got the weight of the world on your back from student loans and you go out and you try to get you know get your life together because of course you want to have you a, a decent car to ride in you want to have you somewhat nice to live in because these are the things that you've seen growing up so when you get to that age you want to be able to be have a great place to lay your head and you want to have a nice car to ride in but you go look at your credit report is already in shambles because you got all these student loans and you got your debt income ratio is upside down you know but that it's just it's just crazy how you know they they they, they spun this and it's a long long game for the banks the schools are not into it for nothing the schools are off the hook they just provide the school the school rooms and you know they, they pay the teachers but they're not on the hook for any of that financial aid you know they get the financial aid straight from the banks and then you got to turn around and pay back the government pay back these banks and they're buying and selling these loans on the back end and you know these defaulting loans are going this place and these people are buying the loans and now you have to pay these different people and that's not even counting the private loans that you know people have to take out you know because some of the financial aid doesn't cover it you know i can go on and on and on when it comes to talking about this financial aid man because it is a loan sharking business it is a legal loan sharking business to kids because you're giving kids you know the opportunity to go to school but you're not showing them the whole picture of it you know when you're 17 18 i'm saying when you're 18 19 and you're going to school they're not showing you the, the full picture of what you're seeing they're not saying hey you know when you go when you finish the school you're going to have a seventy-five thousand dollar bill and then if you knew that from the off top then you'll be second guessing should i even go to this school how much this school costs why don't I just go to a junior college? But at the same time, you've been, you don't want to go to junior college because they made made you feel like junior college was like, oh, you're going to junior college? You can't, you can't, you can't afford to go to a four-year university, so you get that pressure as well, too. You know, but they don't tell you about, at the end of the day, you know, these loans are expensive. These, you know, these promissory notes that you sign, they hold you, they hold you by the balls for the rest of your life until you're able to pay them off, pay them off. Because you go from your, your teens, to your 20s to your mid 20s to your 30s to your 40s and these loans are just stacking on top of each other with the with the the interest and the people that, that run these companies Sally Mae and these, these these other companies these nail net these companies that deals with these you know these financial aids they do not want this to happen they do not want nobody shaving off these student loans just zero it out all the way if you've been holding on to these student loans for 10 to 15 years they should just zero it out and just give you a clean slate and they'll just see how it takes the weight off everybody's back and just see how it just boosts the economy because people are no longer paying these crazy loan these crazy loan amounts you're paying a loan amount more than what your car note is or more than what your mortgage is 
at the same time they're using this money and they're going on vacations they're, they're using this money they, they call it you know they're, they're calling those uh those type of retreats they're calling it retreats for their company but they're going to hawaii they're doing seven to ten days in hawaii talking about they're having a retreat for their company employees no you're living you're, you're living high off the hall making trillions and millions of dollars off your students off the backs of these student loans that people have been signed promissory notes when they were 18 years old but if they came to you from the jump and say, hey, look, this is going to cost you 75000 off top. Do you want to take this opportunity to go to this field and do this, do this particular job that you want? Because when you get out of school, nobody wants to hire you. Nobody wants to hire you. You have to fight, claw, and scratch. It's almost like, you know, why should I even go through that? Why don't I just try to go find a job that doesn't require me to have a, um, a, a college degree? Because I've talked to recruiters in business and they put the and they say they have to have, you know, they put a college degree. It's just like almost like a, a, a possibility to turn people down. It's almost like weeding people out. You know, they have this stuff on their stipulations on they have to have a college degree. So it automatically makes it uh, to the point where if you don't have a college degree, you can't even you shouldn't even apply for the job. But I say apply anyway. It's for them to tell you no. Because you, you could be just as smart as somebody that have a degree that cheated their way through school, that don't know what they're doing, and you've been doing it for the past four years, and they have just not been doing it all through just, you know, studying it through books, but you've actually been living it and been doing it, and you can do the job better than them, but they don't want to give you an opportunity because you don't have this piece of paper saying that you accomplished or you should know how to do this job. Because every job that you basically go on, you learn it on the job anyway. And I'm pretty sure there are some other high-paying, crazy jobs that you really have to, you know, know what you're doing as you get into the field but majority of these jobs you know you learn as you go even these doctors and lawyers they have to go through you know a learning period as well they don't just get out there and automatically be working on patients and prescribing medicine they have to work under people for years before they can actually get out there and they have these high bills as well these 300 $300,000 bills from school so it's just a it's just a dirty game man they set it up you know they try to set it up where they, they're trying to help us out but you know in the long run it's not even helping anybody because they are just holding there's just a chain and weight around people's ankle when it comes to too long so to giving up to $50,000 would be a great helping hand and trying to get that get that opportunity for people to get that dream that they want they want to get that house or they want to get that car or they want to start that business but they they just really can't do it because they have all these student loans and all this interest that has compounded over the amount of years that they've had you know which is which is insane they should not be charging this much for college school should be free if the country want us to stay you know the number one country in the in the world they have to keep teaching and training the brightest minds so they can continue to create the amazing things that that need to be created to make our lives a little bit more convenient and if they can't afford to go to school they're not going to go they're going to just get discouraged and so you know these schools they shouldn't be it shouldn't be it shouldn't be this expensive to go to school because these schools are on land land um, getting free land from the government these grant these loan grants they're getting from the government are free for the land that these schools reside on and so they don't have to pay for the land they're getting it, they're getting it from free so when they're getting it, they're getting that for free that's the major thing they go pop up these buildings they charge for all these dormitory fees they charge you for the, the lunch they charge you for everything and then at the end of the day they give you a piece of paper and say hey good luck out there they're not being responsible they they should be on the hook for making sure you find a job they should give a you know a 14 to 18 month 24 month type of deal where they're on the hook for making sure you find a job and then i bear i guarantee you these colleges will be a little bit more helpful when they're when they, when, it, when it comes to that because they just basically give you this paper and you walk across the stage and you're and they're done with you they cut you you're cut off you can't get back on the campus you can't your car doesn't work your email doesn't work you know they kind of they just kick you out you know you're done we're done with you thank you for your money you know good on you know good luck out there in the world 
but we're done. On to the next. Let's, we've got another, another crop of people to go recruit and keep the process going. You know, it's just like a factory that they're, they're shipping people in and shipping people out, they're keeping you in the dormitories, and then they move you out of the dormitory and they move another set of people in. It's a dirty game out there when it comes to those schools and those banks. And just and I'm pretty sure these these nail net companies they don't want this to go through. They want their bread. You know, but now give it up, man. Let let us free. Let us do what we do, and so we can create these businesses so we can get our own money. That's what it's all about now, man. Get your own hustle on. I'm not gonna push entrepreneurship out of everybody because it's not built. You know, entrepreneur is not for everybody. Everybody's not not cut out to do be an entrepreneur. You know, because it's a it's a cold game out there when it's not when you're not moving products and it's not selling. You know, some people don't want that. So I'm not gonna push it off on anybody. You might like your nine to five. You might like being able to have the opportunity to know when how much your next check gonna be. How how you know what you're gonna be able to do to the future family. But so that doesn't mean you can't still hustle on the side. You know, a lot of people work nine to fives and still hustle. I do it. You know, I work a nine to five, but I still hustle on the side to make extra money. And so that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you have to stop working at your you don't have to stop working your nine to five to be able to be able to hustle. You know, everybody pitch. They don't never talk about that. They always pitch entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneur. But they don't tell you the, the, the dirty side of the entrepreneurship or the, the downside of entrepreneurship. Yes, they have some some a few success stories. People are being successful at it, but they don't talk about the 10 to 20 other people are actually, you know, having a hard time not being able to do it. You know, I always say use your nine to five to support your support your side hustle to then that show that you'll be able to sustain and be able to get get on your feet as an entrepreneur. Use your job and income that you get from your job to support that side hustle so that when you're able to leave your nine to five, you have a business up and running. You use that job as the first um, loan that you would normally get, you would try to get from a bank, you know, but you just have to pinch off your check, you know, you know, check by check and stack it and stack it and stack it. And then you start buying those things that you need on the side. Start small. You don't have to start large, start small, and then you grow and then you just be patient and you continue to grow and you be patient some more to the point where you start seeing that revenue kind of come in. And when your revenue is coming in as much as you're making on your nine to five, then yeah, you're ready to go. You know, you're not just jumping out there without a parachute. You're ready to go. You have a sustainable business and you're able to do it. So don't feel some kind of way because your friend or you see somebody on the internet saying, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I went out this. I went for broke. I did this and I did that. If that's not your path, then that's not your path. That's what that was their path. You have to do it your way. You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat and there's more, more than one way to make a million dollars. So you can't just automatically see somebody else doing it that way and automatically think that's your way as well. You know, so if you're working a nine to five, use that money, save those checks and use that as your first business loan to fund your second, second hustle. And, you know, you just have to put the work in, you know, you work nine to five and from seven to two, you know, you're working on your side business, you know, you, or you have to work, you know, 10 to two or you know, work 12 to three, you know, whatever it takes to put the hour and put the time in, just stay consistent with it and you'll continue to watch it grow. So I just want to, you know, put that out there and let people know to inspire people that there's more than one way to do things because you know these social media platforms they'll fool you because people are you know doing saying certain things just so they can get clicks and they can get ads and get you to spend what money with them to buy their courses and all those different things just take your time be patient and do it your way don't do it their way you know use them for inspiration but do it your way walk your path run your race don't run their race because what worked for them don't necessarily is going to automatically work for you and your lifestyle you might not want to take it because they're not going to show you the behind the scenes of it. they only show you the car and the glitz and the glam and the, and the money after the fact but they don't show you all the late nights the hunger stomach the hunger the hunger that they went through all the things that they did they're not showing you that part of it so don't just automatically get up and quit your job tomorrow but saying that you're going to be entrepreneur with no plan you know put the plan in place and then you go after it i'm not 
not saying you have to wait six, eight months and continue to overthink the process. You know, just take a little bit of your check, put it to the side. You know, I read this good book called The Richest Man in Babylon, and it kind of showed me how, you know, you can go about saving money. You know, I haven't been just the, the worst person with money, but I always was having problems. I went out a big spender, but I was just having problems saving because I was saving and I would dip into my savings. But then, I, you know, I read this book and it kind of helped me on how to go about saving and what you need to do. So if you are looking for some, you know, some tips or some tricks, I would say just read that book and it'll really help you out. You know, it's all about saving and being diligent about your saving and being consistent. That's what pretty much anything you have. You, if you're consistent, if you you can do something for 21 days straight it becomes a habit and what becomes a habit can, it can then turn into a lifestyle and that's what i did for myself it turned into a habit and turned into a lifestyle and then you want to do when you see it start to grow you want to do it even more so you know if you can do something 21 days it can become a habit and if you're doing something now that you want to stop do it for 21 days straight and you can stop that as well so that's what I just have to say uh, about this. And, you know, I want to just continue to inspire people. I want you to, you know, go out there and chase those dreams. I don't want you to sit and, sit on your couch and just continue to scroll mindlessly on your feeds and you watch other people win. You can't win if you're not in the game. You got to get in the game. You got to get off the sidelines. You cannot win on the sidelines. You can talk about the people that's out there winning and losing and you can laugh at them and you can say, oh, I, I would have never done this. I would have never done that. But you'll never know until you're in their shoes. So in order to, you know, get to the next level in life you have to get off the sidelines you have to get in the game you know sometimes you're going to take those l but those l is going to be going to get you closer to the wins you know i used to do door to door when i was younger when i first got out of college man you know i was working i had a job already but then i was doing a side hustle you know i was making more money i was doing door to door and I wanted, you know, and I, I was, I was, I had my, I was like, had my doubt about it at first, but I was good at it. You know, I've always been good at talking to people. I've been always been good at, at reading people. And I was making the most money in my life hustling, doing door to door. And so it, it, it turned, it turned me on to how to continue to, to grind day in and day out because you're not being paid. You know, it's, it's a 100% commission based job. You know, if you really want to know how much hustle you have, it's, it's when it comes down to it's all about your performance. You're not you don't have anything to rely on. If you don't grind, you don't shine. And every day I was working, I was grinding and I was putting in the work and I was putting into the hours. And that got me ready for, you know, the lifestyle that I'm living now, you know, because I know how to talk to people. I know how to gauge people. I know how to, you know, be assertive. I know how to lay back when it's time, you know. So I learned these different things because you're you're meeting strangers and you have to to kind of pitch them immediately quickly and get them to reach you and feel comfortable with you and then once you got them comfortable with you then you can kind of tell them about what you're doing and you can sell them and do whatever you have to do but you know it, those type of things have you know have given me the skills in life that i really probably wouldn't have gotten had I not did, had I not done that, and then I've done retail for you know five, ten years. So you know I've been I've been great at sales. I've been able to sell people. I've been able to sell things. So you know that was one of the gifts that I had. I've always been able to talk to people and being able to read people. So you have to you know figure out what what your path is, and you have to figure out how to get down that path. You know, but don't overthink it. You know, you have to put it out there. You know, I can see it. You know, you're going to take some L's along the way, but that's a part of the, that's a part of it. You're going to take an L. It's not, you can't, you can't get to the top of the mountain without taking an L. It's going, it's going to happen. And how you bounce back from the L is going to determine how great you're going to be. So get off that couch, put that phone down, put your plan together and get out there and make that money, man. I want to see you at the top. This your boy, Frank Nitty. And like I say, always, it's collaboration over competition. Until next time, this your boy, Nitty. I'm out, you dig? I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to grab some merch, canvas prints for your home or office, or see the full link video from this episode, please visit dovision.com. 
Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitter at DoVisionSF. Also, send me an email of someone you'd like to hear on the podcast at DoVisionSF at gmail.com. Also, please join the DoVision Club at patreon.com forward slash DoVision for early access to the content and some of the behind the scenes look at some of the episodes that I create. While you're listening, don't forget to hit, hit the subscribe button and comment on the podcast as well as my YouTube channel and turn on those post notifications so that you'll be notified each and every time I drop a new episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, collaboration over competition. Until next time, this your boy Frank Nitty and I'm out.